Hello. Hello. Hi. How you doing? All right. I'm back. This is Khalees. This is Khalees Exists. And it is episode one, series two. That's right. I thought it's, it's been so long, I thought I might as well start a new season. And it is the, what day is it? I don't know. It's the 8th of the 10th, 2020. You all right, mate? Doing all right? All right? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, what can I say? I'm going to go straight in. Uh, if there's any musicians listening to this, are you uh, going to retrain? Are you? Oh, what a load of bollocks that was. Like, ah, oh. It's like a lot of people be saying, oh, like, don't you ever listen to music? And I thought the same. I thought, you know, all this culture that you fucking keep going on about being you like some sort of luxury uh, and won't give any money to and won't support, this actually brings a lot of money into the country. Um, don't you need it to entertain you? Isn't it there for you when you need it? And then I thought, ah, yeah, but these are Tories, right? They don't listen to music and go to gigs and fucking have fun like the rest of us. No, the way they have fun, I know, um, through, you know, just thinking they're better than other people. That's that's their pastime. And buying things that um, make their penis look bigger. That's a sort of, you know, oh, I bought a big yacht. That's how they spend their money. Uh, I think if we really want to hit them so they really understand what it means when they tell people to, they tell musicians to retrain, um, is this. I'm going to ask if there's any Russian sex workers or coke dealers listening to this, retrain. Retrain, and then the Tories will be panicking. They'll be like, "Oh no, there's no, there's no, I don't know why they talk about that. Oh no, there's no, there's no cocaine dealers anymore. Oh no, how am I gonna inflate my already rather too large ego? Oh, oh well, I guess I'll go see one of my my favorite Russian prodigy. What? They retrain. They're now guitarists. Oh God. So yeah, that's that's rubbish, isn't it? I've had, have have had all these rants, you know, pent up in me since I've been away. And uh, now you get to hear them fresh, fresh from my mind to you. <laughs> so I've been away because, well, so my, we're getting to the serious bit now. I want this to be funny, but it's also, you know, I, I'll be honest with you like I've always been. Um, my brother passed away um, a couple of months ago. He had, um, I've sort of mentioned it before, sort of um, on the podcast, but not clearly because they didn't want to like, I didn't want to kind of make his whole existence that, you know? So I didn't name him in person, but my brother was very close to. Um, and a lot of a lot of me comes from him, you know? The comedy, the movies, the 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 dedication to movies. The that if someone talks in a cinema, they're going into a firing line. That came from him, you know? And uh he showed me Blade Runner when I was five. So he passed, and I'm still dealing with it, and it's shit. Um and also, I do believe that, like, it's you're stronger to talk about your emotions. I don't believe in that male thing of, yeah, yeah, you really, it's the, the strong way of dealing things is hiding it, yeah, and like not crying and holding it back. And uh, yeah, and being uncomfortable with showing emotions is a strength, which makes no sense. <laughs> being able to deal with your emotions is difficult. And I'm not having a go at people who can't, but pretending that that is some sort of uh, um, pomp or some sort of thing to be proud of and hit other people with, yeah, don't show your emotions. It's bollocks, you know. I've cried. I've done all those things. Uh, and I'll still beat you up in a fight. All right. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm still dealing with it. And so I don't think um, 
I'm going to be able to talk all about it right now or, you know, to do a whole tribute right now, I think. Um, it's too vast, you know. I When I talk, I did uh, did five, you know, did five at his funeral. That's uh, <laughs> it's the only way you get, I get spots at the moment, it's that funeral. So, uh, but I did five. I did, the, there were some laughs in it because I he deserved that, you know. He was a showman and he would have liked, you know, he would have wanted some laughs. Um, but, uh, you know, I I was really, I was like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do injustice? And it, for days I was like, I'm not sure how I'm going to do this because no words could really describe um, his importance to me and his, you know, and who he was as a person, the greatness of him. And that's how, when I went, decided to go, I'll just say that. I'll just say, words can't really sort of describe how I feel about him, but these are just some words anyway. So... <laughs> I feel the same now, but there will be, um, later on in the show, I'm going to start a regular segment. It's a sort of tribute to him, which I'll explain later. I'll talk some more bollocks first, don't worry, uh, like normal. But there will be a new little segment. And, uh, I mean, you know, I'll probably talk about him again, and I will uh, be honest with you and stuff. And uh, maybe it'll be helpful to you if you're going through grief or, or whatever. Or maybe you just enjoy seeing me in pain or hearing me in pain. Maybe that's... You know, I don't care as long as you listen to the show. I don't care if the, you use this to, uh, if you, you know, to get you to sleep. If uh, you use it just to scare the cats out the garden, whatever you need it for, I don't care as long as you, as you listen to it. You know, <laughs> I'm too proud. So, the first world fucking COVID we're having, the first world disease. Look, I I think COVID is a threat, and I know people have died from it or been hurt by it. Um, so I'm not one of those, oh, it's all a hoax. Why do you think that? Oh, because I haven't had it and I don't have any friends. So I don't know anyone who's had it. So it must not exist because if it's not like impacted my life, then I don't believe it exists because, uh, you know, we're all narcissists and we're all terrible monkeys. So <laughs> we are awful. Human race. What did um, Bill Hicks once said? He said, uh, we're a virus with shoes. Um <laughs> But people are, uh, what annoys me is, it's impacted loads of people, and I think they have the right to talk about it. But it's not those who do most of the shouting, is it? It's the people who have, like, it's sort of C-list celebrities you get a lot of. People, sat woman who, that woman with oral blonde hair is uh, on Coronation Street or one of those shows, I don't know. I saw her talking on a TV show, and people at home are going, oh, see, Khalees watches daytime tv look at him he's not the person he thinks he is i was only watching it <laughs> i was back home in southampton for a while um because of you know what happened with my brother so i went spent some time with my family uh, and you know and they watched a lot of daytime tv was on um um eamon ho eamon fucking homes i was watching him and i was like oh, oh the rant's boiling up that man is is He's like a big sack of potatoes. That's it. That's his worth. He just takes up space. And <laughs> he's on a show. I've never really watched it before. And he's on a show, GMTV or whatever it's called, one of those morning shows, with his wife. His poor bloody wife. And it's basically just him sort of shouting his kind of stupid views. And her just like staring into the camera like, oh, it's another glass of wine I'll be drinking tonight to try and get over my marriage with this imbecile. Like, I, I feel like there'll be a time when she cracks and she'll murder him on screen and we should all pretend that we didn't see it. 
The millions who watch the show just go, oh, I didn't see anything. Because she deserves that. Uh, I don't know how she's married to this oaf. And uh, so they had this some sort of soap star on, and they had a doctor on. And um, the soap star was complaining about, basically, how oh, taking away my rights, making me wear a mask and all this crap. And uh, uh, what, what I sound so funny was she's talking about, like, all these things that are happening in the UK and how it's impacting her. And above her little fucking home videos like screen, it said live in from Portugal. <laughs> oh, another one of the you know those people who Jeremy Brexit are like, oh, Britain, oh, it's rubbish. I want I want a foreigner out of Britain. Where are you? Oh, I live in the Costa del Sol. Um <laughs> What? What do you mean I have to leave Spain? I vote for Brexit so that people would have to leave England, not so I would have to leave other countries. Uh and she was just shouting, basically, just madness. And they had this, like, young doctor on, and she was just brilliant, you know? Being very sort of diplomatic and, like, sort of basically explain. She was like, why do we have to do this? Why do we have to do that? I bet it doesn't even work. And she was just, like, explaining in a really calm voice, like, okay, we do it because of this. And, uh, like, giving you actual facts, like, it helps in this way. Uh, percentages have gone down when we wear masks here and that. And, like, just giving you the actual answers. And she's like, yeah, well, no one's gonna, no one's giving us answers, are they? And it's like, yeah, they, you, they are. They're just, you're shouting over it. And I was like, why aren't they these, like, the hosts, like, mediating this, right? And I think it's partly because that is TV now, right? It's sort of, everything is sort of fucking garbage fire television right it's like that's what they want you want mad mad people shouting it's the film network you know uh the katie hopkins and all that they give um, nigel farage windbags basically attention seeking windbags they give attention to because people watch it um but even home was like like the docs just gave such a good like sensible like you know it wasn't slanted in any way politically or whatever you want to say it was literally just scientific facts and Eamon Holmes is just like, yeah, well, mainstream media won't let us say things. Because he basically, I think he supported or came up, you know, supported the whole, all oh, 5G is causing it. And his idea is, well, maybe it is. Maybe, it have, can we look into that? Um, and so that, and I was like, that, listen to the woman. Also, the, this guy has got, his career has been out of mainstream media. He works for Sky, ITV. His whole career is mainstream media. And he comes out and goes, well, don't trust what mainstream media says. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I won't trust what you're saying, Eamon. Thank you. Ugh. Yeah. So <laughs> I picked up a lot of opinions on things I wouldn't usually have an opinion on because I don't watch it. So there you go. There's my, oh, all these people complaining about, you know we live in the first world because you know, the fact that we have to wear a mask or encourage to wear a mask because it might help other people and save the spread of other people. Uh, and it's also because we don't really know how to deal with this virus. So we're looking for any way we can. And, but people are acting like they live in this, they live in some sort of police state. And you're like, dude, like I had the Tories and, you know, I have problems with government but don't act like you live in syria or you know you live in some fucking war zone when actual people right now are trying to like a fucking drowning so they go to a better life and you're like oh the whole world's 
collapsing because I have to wear a fucking dentist mask for five minutes when I'm going into Sainsbury's because I'm not allowed to cough on people anymore. Oh, when I, in my days, in the 50s, you could cough on who you wanted. You could go into the shop and you could just lick someone's face. And if you gave them, it gave someone hepatitis, it was your right. It was your right to give them hepatitis. <laughs> Lefty loonies now won't even let you infect people. Mm. It's my right. That's why I always talk about how we need the Commonwealth again, so we can go over to other countries and give them diseases they didn't have before. Yeah, and then refuse to treat them as hey, it's their problem. Ugh. <laughs> right, that's that's the, the ranty bit over for now. I'm going to go over to the to our news segment. Okay, there will be a jingle. I'm going to get a jingle done. Wouldn't that be fun? A good friend of mine's going to do me a jingle. Um, not going to pay him for it because I believe in the arts. <laughs> In the meantime, I'm going to do my own jingle, which is this. Yeah, I've just bastardized the fucking, what was it, Torvald Dean or whatever it was, Pearl and Dean. <laughs> the Ice Kitties, they did that. So, uh, what this is, this is going to be called, this new segment, it's the Halliwell's Odyssey, I think it's called, until I change my mind next week. But, um, so I found this old, so I got into films from my brother, as I said, I found this old Halliwell's film guide and you young people won't know what it is, but before IMDb, you had these massive books and, uh, Halliwell's film guide were one of the big ones. And, uh, it's just film reviews from A to Z, um, and loads of films and it would give you information, you know, date, you know, who was in it, who directed it, basic, uh, plot than a review um what's interesting like i only had a really sort of nostalgic feeling about these because i just sort of got them as hand-me-downs from my brother um and it was sort of before my time really but they were started by leslie halliwell and he was a a film critic and encyclopedist uh that's a job that's not really there anymore is it and uh he or maybe and people are like oh actually Achilles, then tell me um <laughs> they he used to like schedule um films and choose films for itv i think in the 70s and 80s and um he wrote these guides and a lot of people aren't a big fan of his uh reviews now a lot of people mention how they favored a lot classic sort of go near hollywood and i think kind of past 1960 you know sort of french new wave the new waves of the 60s the czech new waves and uh 70s new hollywood which sort of was inspired by the French New Wave and the European New Waves. Um, he wasn't a fan of those. Um, and so, you know, films like The Godfather and things, he gave bad reviews, apparently. Um, he died in 1989. And uh, two months, or oh, a couple of months before I was born, so maybe I'm like, his reincarnation, man. Um, and the, so I have this hand-me-down book from my brother. I think it's from like 91. Um, so my brother would have been... It was a couple of years after I was born, so my brother would have been maybe like 17 or like 18, maybe. Yeah, 18, 19 when he got it. Um, and he used to like tick films he saw in there. And uh, I remember getting it maybe when I was like 12, 13 or something, and then I started ticking the films I'd seen. So I thought what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the book A to Z uh, and sort of talk through and fill in the films that he hadn't seen at that time. Um, 
it, I may I may never finish this project because I think there's probably like twelve thousand films in there. So this might be something I hand down on generation generation. I give to my nephews or or whatever, um, or my client, my robot client one day. So I'm gonna yeah, just talk about the films. Uh, I'm also gonna kind of give you my opinion on his review of it in there and the star system so that he he always does things out of four stars so every film he gives a four star rating this is a couple of years after he died so other critics took over and they redid some of his earlier reviews i believe and i have to look in to see kind of what changed but you know like i said big films like the godfather and he wasn't a big fan of um and they went and re-reviewed some of those films that they think they got wrong or they got he got wrong they sort of subtly say in the sort of uh prologue in the sort of introduction that yeah we we didn't agree with some of the reviews so we redid them um so i'm gonna go through this a to z uh at least i'm gonna try i'll probably get to like b and then i'll be dead but uh <laughs> i'm gonna do what i can so today's today's film the first film in there that my brother hadn't seen at the time is about this souffle I think that's how you say it. I'm, I'm awful at pronouncing other language. I, as you can tell, I can't even pronounce English. Uh, but breathless. Here's the weird thing, right? You're like, breathless, that's a B, Galice. You said A. So it, it, the weird thing about this book is some of the foreign films, he gives their original title from the country of origin, and some he gives the European or the British uh, or the American title. So with a bout de souffle, or how breathless right i'm gonna stop butchering people's languages but yeah so it comes as a here and interestingly i'm not going to tell it to you yet it's gonna be a surprise what the next film is um that's it's also a french film um but it's given the english title it's very strange um so yeah that's the first film um so he given it he gave it two stars out of four um I'll give you the synopsis from the book first, right? And then I'll talk about my views and whether I agree or disagree or, or whatever. A young car thief kills a policeman and goes on a run with his American girlfriend. Casual, influential, new wave, reminiscence of both Croix de Bruni, um, I'm not going to try, and innumerable American gangster thrillers. The film is dedicated to monogram. Um, and then it's got a quote here from Peter John Dyer, a film all dressed up for rebellion, but with no real tangible territory on which to stand, stand and fight. So, Breathless is definitely 100% historically important, culturally important. It, it, you know, it wasn't the first of the new wave, but it's the one that kind of gave it full mainstream attention. You know, the, the two of the other films, uh, The 400 Blows and um, Hiroshima, Monoma, they came beforehand i think there was a year before and breathless is probably cooler it's got it's, it's more stylish not that i think it's better than those films or but they're you know more serious i think and uh there is a i think the reason why this film works or the why it, the reason it got away with a lot of experimentation like the jump cuts it's famous for bringing that into more common use um is because it has this sort of young person swagger about it it's got this attitude it's got this sort of fuck you attitude about the whole thing which i think is why i probably enjoyed it more when i was like sort of late teen early 20s and it's a film i think i think it's definitely a film for that time 
it's a, you know and i don't mean the time it came out i mean it's that you know when you're sort of young and more rebellious and more sort of you know less like oh is that i think that's toxic behavior <laughs> um because it is it's got a good attitude about it and that i think sells it and i think also what sells it is it's got both very attractive leads jean paul Belmondo, who is ripped i didn't realize how ripped he is in this film you know it's got a nice little six-pack there and uh sheen uh seberg who was an american actress who lived in paris in the, and um i think she got something like a sixth of the budget they just they gave just to pay her um and i think in some ways the quote they say about it is it's partly true I think not completely. I think it's a little bit harsh in terms of sort of basically saying it's sort of style over substance, but it's definitely it's definitely got a bit of that. It's got a bit of that sort of um, fuck you, uh, your society's shit, your old ways are crap, and you know we're we're ripping things apart and doing cinema differently. Uh, and they're like, well, why? Uh, well, because we can. It's got a little bit of that about it, but I think there is a bit more to it than they're suggesting. I think it's interesting. Um, I mean, this is basically a dynamic between the characters. In my, this is my view of the dynamic between the characters. Jean-Paul Bondo seems really cool for the first sort of ten minutes, you know, and he's sort of, lot of you know, they uh, sort of imagery taken from films that they like. Basically, I think a lot of French New Wave is sort of we they take bits of the French cinema that they liked and got rid of the stuff they didn't, and bits of American cinema they liked and got rid of the stuff and um, subverted the stuff they didn't like and so the you know a lot of the imagery takes from american gangster films and of, of the 40s you know the, the warner brothers films like scarface the sort of warner brothers classic um gangster movies and the films of um um bogart there's a big thing and there's a bit where he looks at bogart in uh in a frame and uh you know and sort of stars himself and bogart a little bit um and that it does have that sort of thing uh that film student thing or that kind of young film lovers thing where they've got to have a bit in it that's sort of an ode to the films they like. Something we all kind of do. As I do it at uni, it's like, I've got to have a bit where we just kind of go, oh, I like that film. Um, <laughs> it's kind of got that about it. Um, it's definitely, it's, it's, the film, it's a film student sort of staple. But the relationship is basically, Jean-Paul Bermano, like I said, he's really cool for the first 10 minutes. But then I find him really pathetic. He's sort of... John Seberg won't sleep with him. And so he basically, like, just insults her. He basically just negs her. He just keeps calling her stupid and saying she's not brave. Um, to sort of, But he's sort of quite a sad, pathetic character who, like, steals from his girlfriends. And uh, he sort of thinks of himself as a sort of kind of rebel hero. And he's kind of not really. And, uh, yeah, he basically just keeps insulting her until she kind of gives in and sleeps with him because she sort of feels bad about herself and that's basically like that's all he does and he's like he's driving her and he's calling her a bitch and stuff because she won't see her and he just has all these like tantrums and uh you know there's a bit even a bit when she's like can you like say something nice to me <laughs> and, he, and he and he can't and he's like what do you want she's like i want romeo and juliet she's like i want to be you know basically she's like look i want to be seduced i want someone who's that like, you know genuine chemistry i don't want just some fucking some Moni twat who thinks he's a gangster just banging like, oh, you're a bitch. You wouldn't sleep with me. You suck. That's, <laughs> that's Jean-Paul Bermondo in this film. And then finally at the end, it's like, um, 
but she does try. She does like no, I disagree. She like keeps insulting and saying, "Oh, you like you know when you were angry, you look ugly and stuff." And uh, there's lots of stuff of men sort of giving opinions uh, about w- women in it. A lot, of, basically, all the male characters are sort of kind of weak guys who think they're strong by just being sort of opinionated in a sort of five-year-old way. Like, oh, that shit. It's a lot of that. Like, like a lot of people. Like all the male characters just sort of. Uh, have very strong views and things of that really anything to back it up it's just like can't believe like that that's rubbish why do you think that i don't know it's rubbish (laughs) and then eventually the film is her sort of like kind of like you know seeing him through kind of love tinted goggles and eventually sort of being like wait this guy's an asshole (laughs) that's kind of that's my view of the film so i'll give it a sort of like i definitely think it's historically important i quite like it sort of um I think Claude Chabrol and Truffaut dropped the film that it was their story and then because they couldn't um, decide on like a structure and sort of, I think, you know, Goddard picked it up and sort of liked it, didn't really have a structure. And I don't think that's a problem with it. I think I quite like its um, breeziness. It's sort of, you know, it's sort of got a cruising feel. Uh, but, and I don't mean the Al Pacino film where he goes undercover in a gay bar, but... Um, it's just that sort of kind of meandering feel, but it works for this and it's something of the time. And it also, because it does it with a sort of swagger, it gets away with it. Um, and it's a film that's influenced a lot of people. You know, you wouldn't have Wes Anderson or Tarantino without a lot of the things that um, that came in this movie. You know, it's, it's use of cinema as iconography. It's, uh, you know, it's sort of, it's coolness. Um, but, you know, there is, there's something about it I'm not, you know, personal level i don't think it's i won't give it four is what i'm saying i'm giving it a freestyle one more than what they did uh this is out of four out of the Honeywell four Honeywell's four and so yeah that is my first film um i will be back next time and with a with the next film and we'll see if we'll get through the letter a a uh thank you for joining me um you know it's good to get the rust off and do this again and shout at you again and i hope you enjoy listening to it I'll be back. Don't let the bastards grind you down. Let's do this again sometime.